on this edition of Life on the Run. But here's the reality is that you will never stop others from having wrong perceptions and images against you. But you have the power to stop its effect upon your life. Life moves fast, and we don't often take a moment to hit the brakes and slow down. Do you want to take your life and your faith to the next level? Join Pastor Dale Sism as he shines a light on what it truly means to love God, serve people, and share Christ in your area of influence. This is Life on the Run, a weekly podcast designed to help more people find true life in Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3. We have a very limited time this morning, so... Uh, bear with me, especially those that are in the media with PowerPoint. Um, bear with me because I'm going to fly this morning. Um, but I want to make sure that we share everything that God would want us to hear this morning. Uh, Genesis chapter 3. If you have your Bible, turn with me if you would. I do not have an insert. We're in the middle of a series, though this does follow uh, somewhat of a uh, uh, last Sunday. In Genesis chapter 3, we are, we have just experienced in chapter 1 where God created everything, and in chapter 2 he focuses primarily at the end of his creation of Adam, and then at the end of creating Eve. And then we come into chapter 3, and we don't know the time span between chapter 2 and chapter 3. I don't believe that it was an extended period of time. But it says this in chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You're not going to die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. Let me just stop there for a moment. The book of John talks about that there are three sins in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Every sin of mankind can fall into one of those categories. And we see here that Satan used these three categories to tempt Eve. Let's repeat that again. It says that she saw that it was good for food, lust of the flesh. That it was, it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, the pride of life. By the way, Satan knows he knows how to, to push our buttons. But listen to what happened next. And so she took of the fruit and ate. And she gave it to her husband with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them opened, were open, And they knew that they 
were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? And Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that? Who told you that? Abraham Lincoln w once asked a man, he said, if you count the tail as a leg, how many legs does a sheep have? And the man said, well, five. And Abraham Lincoln said, no, just because you call a tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. We have perceptions in our life and perceptions are incredibly powerful in our life. In fact, perceptions can even, in, as we perceive those images or, or, or thoughts in our life, those perceptions can even become more powerful than truth itself if we allow it to. And we all have perceptions and images and stereotypes, especially as it concerns other people. In fact, actually perceptions and Images and stereotypes become the basis of racism. It's our, it's our images that we portray and define others by. We define others by our images concerning them. It's, it's when we have attitudes and actions toward other people that are harmful in relationships. And, and when we think of racism, we tend to think of it as, as actions of white people toward black people. And, and certainly our nation has, has been incredibly guilty in so many ways through the years. And much injustice has been done in our own land. But wrong perceptions and images and stereotypes cross all ethnic and, and political and spiritual borders. It affects everyone. It goes both ways, whites to blacks, blacks to whites, Asians to Hispanics, you know, Hispanics to gringos to, you know, gringos backwards. I mean, it just, it, it, it just is so infiltrated society and it's infiltrated humanity that we have images and stereotypes and false perceptions of other people. And left unchecked, it ultimately leads to genocide and ethnic Cleansing. It's what Hitler did to the Jews. It's what happened in Rwanda when one million people lost their lives in the tribal fighting between the Hutus and the Tutsis. Both of them black, but yet they hated each other. They had images and stereotypes and per perceptions against each other. Or the tribal fighting in, in Kenya between the Kikuyus and the Leo tribe that took place in 2007-2008. Or, or the uh, hostility between the Kurds and the Iraqis. And it, and it just goes on and on and on. And history has shown that, that, that wars happen because and injustice happens because we have these perceptions and images and stereotypes of other people of what we believe about them. Hollywood has perceptions and stereotypes of Christians. 
that we're often portrayed as backwards and uneducated, poor, fanatical, out of touch with reality. Even in the church, we have not been excused from this either. We have, especially in times past, the fighting between Catholics and Protestants, Charismatics and non-Charismatics. In the U.S. alone, we have 330 different denominations. And yet, isn't it interesting, not one of them is found in the Bible? Amen. Why is that? Because in Christ, we are one. We're one. In fact, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful news? That we can break through what happens in the world because we are one in Christ. That's what makes Life Church so special is that we have different people from different backgrounds, different ethnicities. We're, we're a church with multiple languages and, and it's what makes us so special. But here's the reality is that you will never stop others from having wrong perceptions and images and stereotypes against you. People are going to think whatever they think about you. But you have the power to stop its effect upon your life. James Dobson once said, he said, let me put up on the screen, it's not what others think about you that is the problem. It's what you think other people think about you. That's the problem. We, we are in a society where everybody is offended. People are offended over this and that and the other thing. Well, if you're offended, welcome to planet Earth. Because it's just going to happen. And I always encourage people, just get up, get over it, get on with life. Because if you allow society or people to define who you are, you will fail to define yourself by God's standard. And if you, and if you allow other people to define you, you will fail to fulfill the full potential that God has for you in Christ. So let me ask you three questions this morning because I believe that this is something that affects every human being and as believers it is, it is one area that God has given us the ability to overcome. So here are three questions that I'm going to give you this morning in our time remaining. Number one is this. What do you think of yourself? What do you think of yourself? Because what you think of yourself reveals a lot about your core beliefs and it also reveals a lot of what you think about God. You may have said to yourself, well, I'm ugly, or I'm unloved, or I'm unwanted, but here's my question, who told you that? Just like God said to Adam, who told you that? Who told you that? A Greek philosopher by the name of Demosthenes, he said, nothing is so easy as to deceive oneself. And we so often deceive ourselves by the lies that we believe about ourselves. The lies that we have repeated to us over and over and over again. I'm no good, or I'm ugly, or I'm not very smart, or I'm a failure. But who told you that? Who said that to you? Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, 
so is he. You become what you believe about yourself. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So this morning we're going to look at what does the Bible say about us. Not what do we think about ourselves, but what does the Bible say about us. You see, I'm convinced that a great tragedy in life is to know you're alive, but not know the reason why you were born. Because God has given to each and every one of us a plan and a purpose and a destiny to fulfill. But if we don't understand it or know it or not believe it, we will never ever walk in it. And so we need to understand that. I, I believe that the richest places on planet earth are, are not in the gold mines in the Rocky Mountains or the diamond mines of South Africa or the uranium mines of, of, of Russia. But I believe the richest places on planet earth are found in every cemetery. Because in every cemetery are songs that were never composed, books that were never written, sermons that were never preached, all because someone believed a lie about themselves. I could never do it. I'm not smart enough. But God says you're a wonderful creation. God has a plan and a purpose for your life long before you were ever born. But I believe the greatest perception and prejudice and image and stereotype that we need to overcome is not the one we have against someone else, but the ones that we have about ourselves. Seven times in scripture, one in the old, six in the new, it says this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Why does God say that? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because, because how you love yourself is how you will treat your neighbor. If you love someone, you'll love others. If you hate yourself, you will hate others. But when you see the image of God in you, you will begin to see the image of God in other people. But how do we see ourselves? So many times we walk around saying, I'll never amount to anything. I'll never be successful. I'll never be loved. I'll never be wanted. I'll never be forgiven. But who told you that? How do you see yourself? Number two, the second question is this. What does God say about you? Because you see, unless we invite God into this picture, all that we have is just positive thinking. All that we have is just a, a great motivational speech. But when we invite God into the picture, then we can get a clear and a true image of what God says about us. So turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 1. Let me bring you through a couple verses here. Verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image. There you see the Trinity. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all of the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 31. And then God saw everything that he made. And indeed it was, say it with me, very good. Now if you go back earlier, 
when God created the heavens, he created the sun, the moon, the stars, he created what you see on earth, he created the trees and the plants and the fish and the cattle and all of the animals, and he created everything. When God was done, he said, it is good. It is good. He looked at his creation and said, it's good. I'm in the process of painting my house, and so I have a pressure washer, and uh, my pressure washer quit. I took the pump off. The pump was, was, was shot, and so I bought a new pump and put it on my pressure washer, and I fired that thing up. First pull, it started. I was so proud of myself. I hit that nozzle, and it worked, and I was like, this is good. This is good. And so when God created everything, he looked and he said, this is good. When he saw the, 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 the massive oak tree, he said, this is good. Say it with me. This is good. When he created the beautiful red rose, he said, this is good. When he created the majestic lion, he said, this is When he created the most wonderful aromatic coffee bean, God said, come on. This is good. When he created the tiny mosquito, he said, Now there are some things I'm going to question God on when I get to heaven. But anyway, everything God made, he said, This is good. But when he created mankind, listen, he said, This is very good. That's what he thinks about you. That's why I love baby dedication so much. Because just the beauty and the, and the wondrous creation of God. A perfect creation. It's very good. We were made in God's image. But the truth is, whatever image you have of God on the inside of you is the image you will have of other people. It's the image you'll have of other people. In the garden, the devil convinced Eve that she was not made in the image of God. He said unto her, God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Notice that. You will be like God. But wait a minute. She was already created in the image of God. It doesn't get any better than that. So God blessed Adam and Eve, told them, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. Of course, sin entered into the world, separating mankind from God. So God sent his son into the world to restore that relationship, to redeem mankind. And Jesus' last commandment sounds an awful like that original commandment. He said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But you say, oh, I could never do that. I, 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 could, I couldn't go into the world. I, I couldn't tell my neighbor about Jesus. I, 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 I can't do that. Well, who told you that? Who told you that? God has given you a destiny to fulfill. A plan and a purpose to live out. Amen. Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. So what do we do? We replace the lies with the truth of God's word. John 8 says this, is that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. 
Question number three. How do you change what we believe about ourselves? Let me give you two ways real quick. Number one is this. Know your identity in Christ. Know your identity in Christ. Know who you are in Christ. Again, this is not about positive thinking. It's about Bible thinking. So we replace the lies that we've believed about ourselves with the truth of God's Word. And when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. In the New Testament, there's approximately 140 different instances where, where the Bible tells you who you are in Christ Jesus. We get this image that I'm dumb, I'm a failure, I'm stupid, God doesn't like me. But God loves you more than you could ever imagine. There is nothing you could ever do to make God love you any more than what He already does. And if there's nothing you, could, nothing you can do to make God love you any more than what He already does, there is nothing you can do to make God love you any less than what He already does. God loves you. You're His child. Last week we looked at three of these just in the book of Ephesians. There's 35 just in the book of Ephesians. We looked at three of them. You're chosen by the Father. You're chosen. He chose you to be His son, to be His daughter, to invite you into His family. He chose you. You are redeemed by the Son, the Bible says. That He forgave you. He, he, he purchased you with His own blood. He redeemed you. The Bible says you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit who lives in you is the guarantee of God's heavenly inheritance for you. What a wonderful promise. And there's a 140 others in the New Testament. Things, words that says, I am loved. I'm secure. I'm the apple of my Father's eye. I'm His beloved. I'm chosen. I'm redeemed. I'm sealed. I am free. I'm, I'm called. I'm appointed. I'm anointed to bear good fruit. God has a wonderful plan and a purpose for your life. Live it out. Walk it out. Confess God's Word daily and replace Satan's lies with the truth of God's Word. Get hungry for God's Word. Get hungry for God's Word. Let me share one story before I get to the last one, then we close. Several years ago, I was speaking in Singapore. And, and it was a, a church, mostly young people. I, it's a church about 400 people. Almost everyone was 30 and under. Mostly teenagers, 20-year-olds. The 30-year-olds were the elders of the church. And... Uh, and this was back before the day when you could pull up your, your Bible on your phone and take notes on your phone. But, but yet, electronically, they were more advanced than what we are. Their cell phones are about two years ahead of ours here in America. But anyway, back in the days when they had PDAs, remember the... the I just dated some of you. You're like, a what? <laughs> So anyway, it was, it was like a phone. You could pull up a Bible on it. You could take notes, but you couldn't call anybody on it. It was just this contraption you had on your side. Anyway, these young people, they, they, were, they were so hungry. They literally were sitting on the edge of their chairs. With, if they had paper, they had pen in their hand, or they had their little note thing, they were just like ready to take notes, and they were just like, 
I mean, they were just listening and hanging on every word. And, and everything, they were just like, ooh, that was good. Hey, you only had just had to say point number one, and they were like, ooh. You didn't have to say what point number one was. All it was just point number one, ooh. Point number two, oh. And they were just so hungry. Let me encourage you. Get hungry for God's Word. Get hungry for God's Word. Hide God's Word in your heart. Joshua says, meditate in His Word day and night. Learn to observe all that is written therein. And then you will find your way prosperous and you will have good success. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Life on the Run. Find show notes, video, and much more on our website at eplife.org. Join our Facebook community at eplife.org forward slash Facebook. To support the work and ministry of Life Church, head to eplife.org forward slash giving. Life Church is located in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and our weekly services are at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And join us next week for Life on the Run podcast so that you can leave your mark on the world by hitting the brakes, increasing your faith, and living out your life for Christ. Christ.